Amen. It's good to see everybody's wonderful face again. Amen. Brother Chad, could you come and help me take up the morning uh, Sunday School Discipleship? Father, thank you again for your goodness towards your people. Bless each and every one of them this day, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for your prayers. Amen. For us while we was traveling. Amen. General Conference was great. We'll talk a little bit more about that next hour. Amen. But uh, amen. It's a great conference. Amen. And so we want to get right into our lesson. This is be the last lesson of this series on worship. Amen. Hopefully you have been able to search the scriptures. You've been able to look into this thing and see the value and the importance of worship. Amen. Because that's the overall goal. We were created to worship God. And if you're worshiping anything else but God, it ain't going to fall right. <laughs> Amen. I'm here to tell you. Jesus says, thou shalt have no other God before me. Amen. When we look at the Ten Commandments, those first four is our relationship to God, and the other six is our relationship to each other. So we can see the value and the importance of worshiping God. God must be first in everything that we do. If I were to ask you, where does God fit on your priority list, where would he be? Amen. Where would God be on your priority list? He's got to be number one. He can't be two. He can't be three. He can't be four. Anywhere else but number one. If God is not number one, there's an opening, there's a breach, and it's through that breach that the enemy will work in your life to destroy you. Amen. You want to always make sure that God is number uno. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, the Lord's name must be praised. When I wake up in the morning, I need to worship God. I need to honor him. I need to praise him. I need to magnify him. I need to come before his presence with thanksgiving in my heart. Amen. That's the key. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul begins to cry out, hallelujah, and I thank God for saving me. Amen. If you stop and think of all the people in the world, he chose you. Amen. He chose you. And so, therefore, we should worship him, as Jesus told the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Amen. The woman says, I perceive that thou art prophet. Our fathers worship in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in the mountains nor yet Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given unto men whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ is the only saving name. He's the only saving God. Amen. There's no one can save you but God. I can't save you. Your husband can't save you. Your spouse. Nobody can save you but God. I can throw you a life vest. (laughs) I can throw it out there, but you're going to have to take it. Amen. And Jesus is that life preserver. If you want to be saved, you're going to have to grab it. Amen. And so, therefore, neither is there salvation in any other. O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you must love him with all your heart, with all your mind, your soul, and your strength. See, so when you do that, when you understand where salvation is, when you have the knowledge of the truth, it should move you towards that truth, to know that truth, to understand that truth. As we have seen in this study, there's three essentials for worship, right? Spirit, faith, and truth. 
spirit, faith, and truth. If we have the spirit of God, then it should draw us to worship him. See, Paul says in Romans 8, 9, if any man have not the spirit of God, he's none of his. It's amazing to me the number of people that say they are born again, but yet they don't worship God. How can that be? If I say I have his spirit, if I say I have faith in him, if I say I have the truth, I should know what I'm worshiping and the value and the importance of what I'm worshiping. Okay? So those three essentials is what pushed me to know the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, says the Lord Jesus, right? So those three essentials, now your faith. You know, you got to learn how to trust. You have to believe in God. We have the word of God. So i got to believe this. It's infallible. It's proven to be true over and over and over again. John says in John 20, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you may have eternal life. Say, I got to believe it because it is truth. It's proven. Peter says that no prophecy, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, verse 20, 21, he says, No prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, but holy men of God spake as they was moved by the Holy Ghost. Say, so God told them what to write, what to say, and that's why we have this book today. Okay? So, because when people say, well, you, you know, man wrote the book, that's no big surprise. If the scripture tell you man wrote the book, you know, <laughs> that's why Peter says there's no private holy men of God spake as they was moved by the Holy Ghost. Yeah, they wrote it. Same way they wrote the math book, the same way they wrote the English book, the same way they wrote the geometry book, man wrote it. We believe that, don't we? You know, we believe the math book is one and one is two. They taught us. We believed it. Because when you go to the store and that cash register say, you owe me $125, that's what you're going to reach in your pocket and pull out or you're going to stick your card in there to give them their $125. Now, you might look at your receipt and, and dispute sometime. Wait a minute. You charged me too much. But if you don't believe math, you ain't going to know they've cheated you. Right? <laughs> so... You, you've got to understand this. So God is, is, is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You need the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, it's a free gift. Jesus says you have not because you ask not. You don't have to beg for the Holy Ghost. It's, it's a gift that's freely given. You can receive it by the asking. Amen. You should be renewed daily in the Spirit of God. The things of God should be priority in your life because you want to start your day on the up, not on the down. See, you want to get up and you want to pray. You want to get a hold of the Word of God. You want to begin to seek after God. So those three essentials, your faith, your spirit, and your truth. Amen. If you notice, Jesus was constantly asking his disciples, how is it you have no faith? Where is your faith? On a one to ten, it should always be running ten. 
You know why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and Jesus is the word. So if I trust in him, my faith should just be bubbling over and over and over and over again. It's in me. As I said last week, I think, if you look at salt, when I put salt in water, I should have brought an analogy of this. But where does it go? It goes to the bottom. And it just sits there. See, with salt, if you notice salt, when you put it in a glass, you know, water, it just sits at the bottom. But if you stir it up, then it mixes in. Well, the Holy Ghost is there. If you've ever received the Holy Ghost, it's there. That's why Peter told Timothy, he says, stir up the gift that is in you. So get it going. Every morning, get it going. Get it going with some praise. Get it going with some worship. Amen. Get it started so that you build yourself up on your most holy faith. See? Because you got a whole day you got to go through. You you got 24 hours you got to encounter out there. And so you need the strength and the power to be able to overcome. So you want to worship God. Amen. You want to, to be in his presence with thanksgiving. Amen. So we want to make sure that he's our priority number one. Amen. Hebrews 1, six says, amen. And again, when he bring it into the, into the world, the first begotten of, into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. Notice, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Let all the angels worship him. You're supposed to be an angel, so you should be worshiping him. <laughs> amen. So notice, so, amen, we want to worship him. When you look at Revelation 4, those 4 and 20 elders are always before the throne, and they'll cry, worthy is the Lord to receive glory and honor and praise and thanksgiving, constantly worshiping him, 24 hours a day, worshiping, worshiping, giving God thanks, giving him honor and bowing before him. We've also looked in this lesson things that can hinder our worship, didn't we? Amen. The number one thing that can hinder us is us. Self. i got to get self out of the way. It's not about me. It's about him. Amen. I must get self out of the way. If I'm, if it's all about me and how I, it can please me, I'm not going to please God. See? I want to worship him. I want to serve him. With all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Amen. So get self out of the way. Our concept of God. Amen. Some people just think God's a sugar daddy. He does everything for me. Give me whatever I want. That's having a misconception of God. Amen. He's my heavenly father. And as we have seen in Malachi 1.6, the Lord says, if I'm your father, where's my honor? If I'm your master, where is my fear or my respect? See, a servant should always respect this master. A father, a son should always respect and honor his father. It's the first commandment that was given with the promise. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy life should be long upon the earth. See, I want to honor him. He's my God. He's my father. Jesus says, you call me master and Lord. And you say, well, if I your Lord and master, then why aren't you doing what I asked you to do? See, we've got to worship him. Let's not have the misconception and wrong misconception of God. He's God. He has no pleasure in fools. 
We have to be sincere and honest. False gods. We can't, as I said earlier, we can't allow anything to come between us and God. If anything come between you and God, it's closer to God than you are. So you want to be so close to God. You want to be like John. You want to be able to lean on his bosom and hear his heartbeat. You want to be able to know it's God's voice when he speaks to you. And that's how you build that, but it's through worship. As we just sung that song, I can go into the holies of holies. I can kneel and make my petitions known. Amen. You want to be able in your worship to open up. What's bothering you? What's going on? See, that's what you want to be able to expose. That's what Jesus says when you pray, go into your secret closet. Get in a long place where it's just you and God. Amen. So you can talk. So you can tell him what is bothering you. What is, is, is plaguing you. What is happening to you. He already knows. But be sincere and open and honest with him is what he wants. Come into his presence with thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with praise. Amen. Open up before him. When you look at Psalms 51, how many times? David is, is, he's broken. A broken and contrite heart, oh God, he says, you won't despise. David came to God. He realized when Gad came to, Nathan came to him and told him what he had did, I mean, he was broken. I mean, he was totally broken. And so when you read Psalms 51, that's David's prayer to God. He says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Amen. This is what you want God to do. You want to be open and honest. That's what worship is. It's telling God what's, what's plaguing you. Telling God what is wrong. The things that you may have did wrong. You don't need to tell me. Tell him. I can't do anything about it. He's the only one. See? And so this is what you want to do, is you want to come into his presence with thanksgiving. Amen. And make your petitions known to him. Let him take care of. Don't get so busy in your life that you don't have time for God. Amen. The thief, Jesus says in John 10.10, came but what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's Satan's overall goal. He wants to steal your dreams. He wants to steal your family. He wants to steal your life. He wants to do everything that, that, to take it all away and then he wants to kill you. See? So you have to realize you can't get so busy in your life that you don't have time for God. I think I share, I call God's all the folks all the time. What are you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. A young man at conference, I was talking to him the other day. He, he says, Oh, I said, how you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm just so busy. I says, why? You're so busy. You're just standing right here. You're, are you busy standing here? <laughs> yeah. Why? How do we get so busy? How? How? I'm trying to figure it out. How do we get so busy that we don't have time for God and the things of God? How? How? Do, how did we get there? That shouldn't be that I don't have time to worship God, that I don't have time to 
read his word. That I don't have time to offer the sacrifices of praise continually. What was the purpose for the Sabbath day? Rest. See, if I don't have time for rest with him, he's the Lord of the Sabbath, if you didn't know that. (laughs) So I need to have time with him. We don't exalt one day above the other. Amen. But I've got to have some time to where I spend with him. That I'm just not so over-inundated with so many things that is driving me nuts that I don't have time for God. Homes are being destroyed because of one thing. People don't have time for God. Jesus has already told you, without me you can do nothing. See? And so people are getting themselves... What you want to say, you know, so continue like the hamster in the cage that they don't have time for God. You know, this day they should be spending with God. What do they say? Oh, I'm so tired. I can't go to church. Oh, I'm so tired. I need a day off. I got to do this. I got to do that. All the other days of the week, what are they doing? They're giving themselves to the enemy of their soul. And as a result, the day that they should spend with rest and time with God, they're too tired. And the enemy knows that. And that's why he keeps doing these things to, to cause them to be, not have time for him. And pretty soon, you don't see the value. You don't see the importance. And because you don't see the importance, then you start working in your own strength and power And it's never going to work. People just don't backslide because they want to backslide. It doesn't happen that way. People quit serving God because they get their priorities out of line. See? So you stop and think about it. How many people today is out there doing something that they should have been doing Monday through Friday? But no, I gotta go to work. Oh no, I gotta go do this. I gotta go do that. I gotta do this. But the day they should be spending with God, they're too tired. Or they find, now I need to do what I should have did Monday through Friday with God. And I don't have time to worship God. That's what church is all about. It's about worshiping God and learning and growing. Yeah, you don't have to come to church to serve God. We know that. But the church is designed to help you grow in the things of God. So you have a clear understanding. So you're with brothers and sisters of like precious faith. If I don't spend time with my family, pretty soon they're going to think I don't love them. They're going to think I don't care. So if we are brothers and sisters in the Lord, we need to have time together. We worship together. We serve together. Amen. So it's important that we learn the value. Don't get so busy that you don't have time for God. Don't let nothing in your life trump God. Amen? Irreconcilable relationships. What are we taught constantly? Forgive. See? What does Jesus say? If you come to bring your gift and never remember you have all against your brother, he says, go be reconciled to your brother. See? I've got to keep my relationships right with others. 
because the commandments is to love my enemy, uh, uh, my neighbor as myself. See? So we want to keep our relationship with God intact. Amen. And get away from tradition. Amen. Praise God. So worship here. Let's. Wow, man, goodness. So worship brings intimacy with God. Say, I want to have that intimacy with God. Amen. Worship brings about a love relationship with God. I, the more I worship him, the more I love him, the more I trust him, the more I want to be with him. See, for me, that's what it's all about. As I study God's Word, as I pray, as I worship God, I want more of Him. I want to be close to Him. That's why when you read the Songs of Solomon, what's going on? She's looking for her lover. Amen. It's a story, a love story of God in us. How we should be seeking Him. Where is He at? If I don't feel Him, I need to find Him. I need to go searching. Jesus said, you can find me when you search for me with all your heart. See, I want my day to begin with him. I want my love relationship. When I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is, is, is if my wife is there, I give her a kiss. I says, I love you. I want my intimacy, my relationship. It's the same way with God. I want to tell God how much I love him, how much I thank him, how much I care for what he's done for me. Amen. So we want to be in that relationship. Worship brings our love and relationship and intimacy with God. True worship is heartfelt expression of our love and our adoration and admiration and fascinations and all those other Asians. Uh, amen. That, that brings us close to Him. That's what true love is. Just can't get enough of it. It's what you should feel about God. Man, think about what he's done for you. Oh, God, how excellent is your name and all the earth. Oh, God, you're worthy to be praised. Amen. Worship is all about love for God, not me. Do you love him? I love him. Amen. Jeremiah says that we should serve the God with our whole heart because if our hearts are deceitful, and desperately wicked, who can know it? So this is why if we go back to Psalms 51, the substance is saying, I mean, Psalms 139, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's wickedness in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, I need, I need a, a pure heart. I need a pure mind. I don't know my heart. See? So I need God to search it. Notice what David says in Psalms 51. He says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Amen. Purge me. Cleanse me. I want to have, be pure. I want to be right when I come before him. Amen. So purge my heart. Wash me. Cleanse me. Wash me with the water of the word. Let your word, amen, God, speak volumes to me. This is why James says we must be doers of God's word and not just a hearer only because the word is designed to cleanse us. Psalms 119 verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, but therefore taking heed to thy word. Psalms 15.3, Jesus says, Now you're cleansed by the word which I have spoken unto you. 
Abide in me, and I in you, for the branch cannot bring forth fruit except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. See, I've got to be a relationship. I want to be close to him. Amen. That's how I stay cleansed. Worship keeps me pure. Worship keeps me clean away from wrongdoings. See, when people fall, when people backslide, when people immorality and infidelity and all this is because saints stop worshiping God. If my relationship is with Him, then I have need of nothing else. No more spoils, nothing else. Nothing compares to Him. That's why I worship Him. I've got to stay pure. I've got to stay clean. I want my mind to be pure. I want my mind to be clean. Guys and gals be pornography and clicking on the internet and doing all this foolishness is because they're not worshiping God. You can stay pure. You can stay clean if you worship God. You won't be overtaken in a fault if you're worshiping God. He will keep you stayed on Him, His mind. Your mind will be stayed on God when you worship Him. You won't have need of all that foolishness in the world. You will see that He meets every need that you have need of. That's what worship is. It's being pure in your mind and your thinking. I want to be clean. What does He desire? He wants us to move to perfection. He wants us to be complete in Him. See? And that starts with worship. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Great and marvelous is thy works, O Lord, and that my soul know right well. Notice what Psalms 19.7 says. The law of the Lord is what? Perfect. It converts the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eye. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true, and they're righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine go sweeter than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them are your servants warned, and in keeping of them is a great reward. See? So worship brings me into his presence. I come into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Let everything that have breath do what? Praise the Lord. See, that's what worship is all about. It's about Him. Jesus says to the woman, you need to be in Jerusalem worshiping because that's where the temple was. See, that's why every male was to three times a year go to Jerusalem to worship. Passover, Pentecost, and the tabernacle of the, of, of the feast in the wilderness. See? What God has done, remember, remember, remember. If we get into the mindset, that's what the book of Deuteronomy is all about. It's all nothing but a book of remembrance. That's why when you read Deuteronomy, you hear Moses says, remember, 
Don't forget. Remember. Don't forget. Remember. 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 In other words, remember what God did for you. That's why Deuteronomy 6 and 4, he tells them, he says, when you come into the land, don't forget God. So no matter how good a job you get, no matter how many degrees you get, no matter how good life get for you, don't forget God. That's, he's the one that gave it to you. This is what Moses is trying to, to get them to see. You didn't do this on your own. You got it from God. See? And so don't forget God. Keep your relationship with God. You know, if you go to Israel, every door that you go through, they have a mezuzah on the side of the door. It's little, look almost like a little harp. And it's attached. And you know what it says in it? Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. So that everyone in that family and out of those houses, when they walk out, they are to rub that mezuzah to remind them that God is God. See? And we need to have the same concept. When we get up in the morning, we need to remember He's God. If I got breath in my lungs, He's God. It may not be going good. He's still God. And I still got to worship Him and serve Him and build my relationship with Him. I have to live by faith and not by sight. I don't cast away my confidence. Amen. Because it's not working right right now. I got to trust Him. Amen. And I cast my cares upon Him because He careth for me. He will come. I think the scripture puts it plainly. He that will come will come and will not tarry. The just has got to live by faith. I've got to give God a chance to work on my behalf. My goal is to just keep worshiping him, trusting him, believing him, and he's going to come through. If all things work together to the good, to them that love God, to them who are the call according to his purpose, i got to let him work. Amen. Don't lean to my own understanding. So we've got to come before His presence. Worship is all about getting to that complete and perfect state with God. Worship is all about getting you to the place of obedience and self-discipline with God. Remember we talked a few weeks ago about about, uh, going beyond. Going beyond what is just required. See? We can get in the habit of, oh, well, just Sunday is church. Wednesday is just church. No, we got to go beyond. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus, I love him more and more. Jesus saves and he keeps me. He's the reason I'm living for. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus. And tomorrow may never be mine. Help me to take what? One day at a time. Amen. That's all I'm asking. Amen. So get, we, we gotta learn, it, it's to develop self-obedience in us and self-discipline in us. That's what self-discipline is, is disciplining you. It's not me disciplining you. That's pastor discipline. (laughs) Self-discipline is you taking the initiative and the actions to correct your own wrong. 
And when you worship God and you come into his presence, he's going to show you you're wrong. And when he shows you your wrongs and where you are, now you have to make the correction. You don't want to be as the dog that's turned to his vomit or the hog go back into the hog pen. We talked about that. See, worship is designed to get you pure and to get you right with God so that you can be what God wants you to be. So you will be a good representative of Him. Amen. Worship is getting you to a point that nothing comes between you and God. Think about Abraham. Abraham says to his servants, he says, stay here. He says, me and the lad is going to go yonder and what? Worship. And we're going to come again. I believe Abraham was showing Isaac what was most important. Giving God your very best. Coming before his presence. No matter how far I have to go to worship God, I'm going to go and worship God. See? Sometimes you don't know where God is going to tell you to go. See? So you have to be willing to go where he tells you to go. Amen. Abraham was teaching him about a relationship between God. They had the wood, they had the fire. Don't ever let the fire go out of your altar, Leviticus. That was one of the laws that was given by Moses to the priesthood. He says, don't ever let the fire go out of the altar. So this speaks to us. We need to be burning with the Holy Ghost and the power of God at all times. And that starts with getting up and getting started daily. Keep the fire burning. Get the old ashes out. If you ever had the bill of fire, if you leave the ashes in too long, you know what happens? It smothers the fire. Pretty soon it's going to start smoking. But if you get the old ashes out and take them outside and dump them in a clean place, you know, the fire will keep burning bright. The heat will keep coming out. Hey, man, this is what you want to do. When you get up in the morning, what are you doing? You're getting rid of the old ashes. You're putting a new sacrifice on the altar. Sweet smelling. Remember, Paul says in Ephesians 5, Be ye followers, therefore, of God as dear children, and walk in love as God has loved us, and given himself as an Offering and a sweet sacrifice, smelling sacrifice to God. Remember last week I, I told you that the, the sacrifices, they put like frankincense and myrrh and, and salt on the it so it would give off a good sweet smell. Say, and that's what you want when you come to God. You want to be that sweet smelling sacrifice that comes up into his nostrils and you go, ah. Oh, by him, therefore, Hebrews thirteen fifteen. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifices of praise continually with the fruits of our lips given. What? Thanks to his name. Amen. Continually. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Amen. So we want to worship him. Look at John chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. In this ninth chapter, we see that Jesus and the disciples comes into a town, 
and the man is there blind. And the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, who, who sinned that this guy was born blind? And Jesus says, no man, but that the glory of God should be revealed. And we know that Jesus take clay and put it in his eyes and tell him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he goes and comes seeing again. And then the, the, the Sadducees start asking him how he got his sight. And he says, a man named Jesus, you know, told me to go wash. He put mud in my eyes. He told me to go wash. I came seeing. So what did they do to him? They kicked him out of the synagogue, you know, because he believed in Jesus. How stupid, you know. The man was blind. Now he sees. He tell you who did it. <laughs> And you kick him out of church. Yeah. So, but notice in verse 39. When Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe in the Son of God? And, and he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talked with thee. Notice. And he says, Lord, I believe. And what did he do? He worshipped him. See? Knowledge brings worship. See? When we know him, we should worship him. See? That's why we go back, we was talking about wisdom. Say, wisdom and knowledge and understanding should cause you to worship God. That's why Proverbs 8 says, I dwell in the, in the mix of them. Say, my call is to the sons of man. Oh, you simple, understand wisdom. And you fools, be you of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the open of my mouth shall be right things. Say, wisdom should push you, motivate you. If you've got wisdom, if you've got knowledge, if you've got understanding, you should know to worship God. See, truth shall make you free. So if I say I've got truth, then what's hindering my worship? Where's my priorities? Where's my honor, God says? If you know me, then where is my worship? Where's my honor? Where's my respect? If you know me, you know I'm God. Nothing should stop us from worshiping Him. If I know Him, there's no law. You know, it, it, people say to me, "Oh, I can't pray in school." Who stopped you? I don't need to stand on the, on a, on a, up on a, on a, on a box and, and, and yell out, Oh God! Hear me, God! I don't need to do that. Who stopped you from praying? I can sit at my desk and pray all day long. I'm flying the airplane. I can sit and, and pray sitting right in my seat. I don't need to yell and scream to pray. See, people have the mis misconception. You can pray in school. You know, you don't need to shout from the long top. Somebody sitting next to you, I can solemnly pray. Say, God, 
This individual sitting over here, please bless them. God touch them. You know what they're going through. You know what they need. God, my teacher standing in front, you know, teaching. God, give her wisdom. Give her understanding. God, protect her heart. Protect her mind. You know, when I go to volunteer at the school, I don't stand in the classroom when the kids are running across the window sills and, and everything else and giving the teacher a hard time. You say, God, come in this room. God, we need you. God, no. I just sat right there at the table that I'm asked to be and to help. I says, God, please move upon this child's heart. God, please touch the teacher. Give her wisdom. Now to not be stressed out, you know, and things of that nature. I, I talk plainly and kindly to God that way. Say, I don't need to yell and scream. Nothing is stopping you from praying to God. No, think about it. Say, don't be, don't, if I know truth, say, wisdom should, should help me to understand these things. My obedience, amen, is, should help me to begin to worship God. Obey them to have the rule over you. I don't think anybody's got more rule than God. <laughs> you know? And he tells me to worship, so I should come before his presence with worship, respect to him. Amen. I should respect and reverence God, service and sacrifice. Amen. When I've done those things that are required to me, Jesus says, say, I've done that which was my duty. See, I have a duty to worship him. I want to do those right things. I want to come before his with a presence of humility. Constantly keeping myself humble. Humble myself in the sight of God. Reverencing Him. Honoring Him. When I have that inward renewal. Amen. We've been born again, right? Of the water and the Spirit. So therefore I have that change in my heart now. And I want to keep that change in my heart. So therefore I want to continue to worship Him. I want to honor him. I want to respect him at all costs. I want the knowledge of God. The fear of the Lord, Proverbs 1, 7, is the beginning of knowledge. See? Because when I respect him, when I worship him, it's saying, hey, I know. I've got knowledge. I've got understanding. Amen. And understanding of holiness, which should cause me to worship him. Be ye holy, for I am holy. I should be separated. I should be set apart. For the Lord. My life now is for Him. It's not for anybody else, but for Him. He's the one I'm longing for. He's the one I'm only going to be for. So if I keep God first and separated, everything else is going to fall into His rightful place. Amen. It's all about Him. It's not about me. My love for the things of God. My love for God. For God so loved the world that He gave. His only begotten Son for me, so therefore I should love Him. John says, Beloved, if God loved us, we are to love one another. And I should love Him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Amen. I want to have that love of God in my heart continually. Amen. He's got to be priority number one. Nothing. How, how value is your love for Him? Do you place a child before God? Do you place a job before God? Do you place a car before God? A home before God? What's before God? What can be 
more important to you than God? Nothing. Nothing. He's got to be number one. Oh, I love him. I love him. And we should have that desire in our hearts to please God. Our overall joy should be, I want to please him. Everything that I do, I want to be right. That's why in Psalms 51, when you read it again, David is so remorseful because he knows he's failed God. He knows I failed. That's why when Nathan told him, he didn't say it was it was bad sheep. He didn't say it was somebody. He says, I have sinned against God. It was nobody but me. See? And he wanted to get back right, and he wanted to please God. And that's the way we should be, and that's what worship is designed to do. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, But now we have knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of God. It should be our goal now to please God and to serve him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Because the Lord seeketh such to worship him. The worshiper, Paul says in Hebrews, should have had no more conscience of sin once purged. In other words, we don't go back. We don't go back. Once he has delivered us, we do not go back. We move forward towards him more and more and more until that perfect day when we will reign with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Amen. Next month, we're going to go, amen, talk about apostolic ministry. Amen. And so I'll have the lessons done. I thought I was going to get a chance to get them printed off today, but I didn't. So, but I uh, have them here Wednesday night. Amen. And so uh, we'll be talking about apostolic ministry, and I want you to be able to find your ministry. Amen. And, and what you should be doing for the Lord. Amen. All right. God bless you. Let's take a few minutes.